Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Dana Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined today <laughs> by Kevin Sparrow and Anna Rose E.E. Epstein. Yeah, you got it. Cool. Cool. It's I always Hawaiian. Yeah, I always read it and I'm like, I, I don't which so which E gets the emphasis? Is it E E or is it E E? Oh man, y'all are opera e. people. Um <laughs> E E? I don't I don't know. E E? Both of them? Oh yeah? I have cool. no idea. I'll have to ask my wife whose mom's maiden name it is. Yeah. She'll be like, what do you mean by emphasis? (laughs) (laughs) She'll be like, it's my name, just move on. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear, did you say it's Jewian? Yeah, because Epstein is Jewish, and then E.E. is Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. But E.E. is spelled I.I., so it's super confusing, and a lot of people think it's Lee, which it's not. Mm -hmm. See, I think I thought that at first, Yeah, but then... Learn better. Well, y'all were just in Hawaii, right? Yes, we were. It's hard to come back from a, a vacation. It's hard to work on vacation, which we had to do because we have a show tomorrow, right. um, New Play Fest, and it's hard to come back and be like, you're on four hours of sleep, but you still have to work, and then you have to do a show the next day. But yeah. it's exciting, too. Did you literally just get back? We got back at 5 a.m. yesterday. And then we, like, run up. I was on, like, four hours of sleep because I couldn't sleep on the plane. So, and then Hana's cousin's band, Palm, P-A-L-M. They're awesome. They were on, like, Rolling Stone as bands to watch a few years ago. Cool. Um, They were in town, and they don't come into town often, so we went to their show. So we were out until, like, 1 a.m., yeah, this is my tired voice. <laughs> well, it's been fun because I think when was the first time we interviewed? It must have been months now. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun. I love this across the board where we like friend the people that we interview and stuff, people that we would have never met before, and it's cool to see how other arts people also are. Do you know what I mean? In that, like, I we also got out of town and like did the thing where it's like running on little sleep and then it's like but you've got to work on the road and it's it's just so it's like a weirdly like the great unifier is just like how stressed out and burnt out arts people are all the time which Mm -hmm. is really cool yeah. And yeah. and also not anyway, not to say that it's yeah. great, but I, I don't know if you've experienced this experienced this, but when you go on a vacation that's like Hawaii or some like tropical place yeah. and you're trying to work, I I always get responses that are like super jealous, bitter, like why are you talking to me about work when you're on vacation? Yeah. Still like mm. <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. I, but I still have to work, so well, that's the interesting thing when it's, like, a familial trip, too. Because I know for me, when we go visit New York, I end up do having more time because, like, it's like your home. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so you end up having kind of that spare time to do stuff like that. But that's interesting that for you that's Hawaii, yeah. which is really cool. Well, because my wife is from Hawaii, so right. we stay with her parents, which is free. Um, that's why we can afford it. But yeah. it, her dad is a 5 a.m. waker-upper and thinks that vacation means getting up early and spending time in Hawaii so like vacation in Hawaii is not really vacation it's like getting up early and doing what Hana's parents tell us to do (laughs) which is really fun too but yeah but you get some gorgeous views too yeah that's true and then I try to share them with everyone on Facebook yeah cool (laughs) were you live at all in Hawaii in Hawaii um I think I went live once yeah, you did, and then we all jumped on, and then I 
when I went to watch that video, there was like you can call into the live from wherever you are. This Which is, is a, new. a hidden thing that happened and it was very scary. And then I saw myself on the screen and I waved. <laughs> it was like, wait, what is happening? I and then I clicked off very quickly because it was strange new technology. <laughs> I know. I never, you were the first person that I'd done that with. And, and I'm like, oh, hi, Kev. You just popped up in Hawaii. <laughs> And then our development director also popped, popped on, and they were like... What's happening? They were, like, in their bed naked. They were very confused about that. We were all very confused, but then, I don't know, we just wanted to be there, yeah. like, adjacent to the beach that you were on. Yeah. I, I was glad to have y'all. That's a cool thought, and I've been enjoying watching us all figure out how Facebook Live is going to look like in a year, because I feel like Facebook has pushed it hard, like... How, when, was, when did they come out with Facebook Live? Like a year ago? Something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, they at least seem to bump the notifications when you go live. Oh, um, yeah. And They're like, keep keep going live. We're telling people. We're yeah. telling people, stay live. Right. So it's like, should I stay live for, like, hours? Or is it, like, a, you know, 15-minute thing? I haven't quite figured out what works best. Right. <laughs> I think the more... The more that you do, not the longer the video, mm -hmm. but the more live videos you take. I don't know. Well, the one that I'm I've not, been I work for Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> the one that I've been interested in is when you have organizations that are traditionally like a cable news network going live, and they basically then live their their, their, show. their show, which is it. Like I think it's a an interesting statement on like what cable consumption is going to be like in a decade, mm -hmm. but I also think it's interesting because you have that, and then you also have, like, I don't know, like, my cousin goes live to, like, show everybody her, like, the piano that she's working on. Like, the my five-year-old cousin, I mean. Like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. cute. I, I've really enjoyed the live aspect because um, we have, like, fans that don't live in Chicago, like my mom, for example, who's mm -hmm. sitting in the other room, she, but she came into town for our show nice. um, this time, but... Um, also, I've I have had a lot of people tell me like, "Oh, I saw you doing this live." Who's probably never seen one of our shows. So, part of me is like, "Okay, well, come next time and then maybe you can be on the live right. video." But another part of me is like, "Well, cool, at least they're watching. At least they're engaging." Yeah. Yeah. That's like one of the one of the things that we always end our all of our content with is like um in regards to donations of like give a little bit of a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share because like because we produce so much content like even if you can't attend a live show just sharing what we produce is just as good yeah. like and it's just this game of you know producing live things but also having content mm -hmm. and yeah it's this whole you know 21st century juggling act of being producers <laughs> yeah yeah and it's almost like in a weird way it's like a, a new version of um like the exposure versus um payment debate in that like obviously there's not a person being like um you know i'm giving you exposure for this instead of paying you for it but but you know we as artists want our art to reach as far as it can um but there isn't like a a path towards using these social media tools in a way that will sustain us potentially you know right. at least i mean there is like there are people that can probably make it make a path 
out of however they're like, oh, you know, from this live video, make sure to keep up with us. Come to the show, uh, you know, subscribe online, something like that. But um, Well, the whole YouTube thing where you can get paid to do YouTube stuff, like I feel like live is going to make that eventually not be payable anymore. So yeah. the live thing is probably going to help us not get paid even more. Not that I was mm. making any money on YouTube. Um, but, but right. <laughs> but at least that was like an option. Yeah. Who, how do people make money anyway? I mean, what is money? It's just paper. Yeah. <laughs> Such an artist. Yeah. <laughs> what is money? <laughs> if I can't pay people, I just pay them with food and alcohol sometimes. I don't yeah. drink, so I don't, I prefer to not pay people with alcohol, but mm-hmm. I like paying people with food. Yeah. That's a good way to pay people. I'm about that payment. Yeah. Well, so this is fun because y'all are actually our first interview from being back in Chicago. So it's been like Welcome back. It's been like a week and a half since we've done an actual interview. Yeah. We did some interviews in Baltimore um with cuz I went to college in Baltimore and um some of my friends are doing cool things there. So we we were there for like less than 24 hours and talked mm-hmm. to a couple people and nice. So it was cool, but I'm glad I'm, like, glad to be back doing interviews. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just, like, nice, and we don't have to leave, and just be in your cozy apartment with right. your cats. Yeah. Exactly. It's just great. chat yeah. about art and Facebook Live. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Do you do you think that um, all of the, like, Facebook Live and internet stuff is going to make live performance non-relevant anymore? Do you think we're all going to be permits? Because I hope not. So I actually had an interesting conversation with one of my friends who came to our show last night, the D&D Live. Um, And we were talking about how um, we were talking about how she misses more of the interviews that we do versus us publishing content from our live shows. Um, Which like we will eventually strike a better balance of that. Um, so, um, I was talking to her about it and she said, you know, I, I like going to the live shows. I have trouble sitting down and carving out the time to watch a show at home Mm. because it, like, if I wanted to see a show, I would go see a show and if I'm at home, I'm going to watch something else or and and then she was saying that like and i like podcasts for when i'm in my for for my commute like yeah like Mm -hmm. a purely audio so i think that i mean i i you know i hope that you know streamed entertainment doesn't replace live you know live entertainment Mm -hmm. just because i think you, you, you miss the, the social interaction of it mm-hmm. right. so much. Yeah. Like, well, I also think it might be two different markets, too. Like, I think the type of person that would make a point to see a show live might not necessarily watch it on a stream or, like, download it later or something like that. I want to know what Facebook thinks about this. Just, yeah. Just curious. Put some messages out there. Yeah, the absolutely. <laughs> um, well, yeah, because um, when we do our... So our new Playfest is tomorrow, and it's... um fundraiser I feel like everyone's always fundraising Um, I call it a fundraiser because we're charging between 25 and 50 Mm dollars and I feel like that's a a high price so that's why I call but it's a fundraiser you're giving funds to important things and you get to see four new plays yeah you do Um, and uh, but 
I've, I always, I've noticed that when we do stuff like that, we always have to have alcohol because people, like, part, like, half of the time come out for the alcohol. Right. <laughs> um, and then the other, and then the other part is, like, seeing the live performances with alcohol in them. So, uh, yeah. Um, with alcohol in the performances or alcohol in the patrons of the performance? The latter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, well, which is, I guess, an important part of this show is the one yep. that we're doing specifically is about bars for the, the new play festival tomorrow. And I think there is something about that overlap of, of right, that that's part of the immersive experience so that even if you don't drink, mm-hmm. um, like Anna Rose, you can still participate in like what that social mode is by mm-hmm. viewing it through how these people are interacting in that space. Um, but I, then I think it also goes back for me to that issue of like, well, what if that is a weird social space for you where you do want to participate, but you don't want to be at a bar because maybe you're sober or yeah. something like that, that, that a situation like that can help you by having that content available to you. Right. So I'm always on the fence about it. That's why it. I love Mary's Attic, too, is because it's not just a bar. It's also the uh, Hamburger Mary's where you can get food. And then upstairs is the, there's like a theater space, mm-hmm. um, a s- small stage, even though we're not using the stage for any of the actual show. I remember you mentioning that last time you were on, um, that because of your, you know, one of your mission statements being that you are in like found spaces that the idea of a stage is not appealing yeah i'm actually putting the vip patrons on the stage cool to sit (laughs) on the stage and and then have an awesome view of the whole rest of the space yeah cool cool yeah so we did talk a bit about um the new play festival the last i'm gonna do a thing really quick sorry um but we did talk generally about oh there you go the uh, the new play festival the last time we had y'all on, but I would love to um, hear a little bit more generally about it, just so that we can kind of like contextualize a little bit what we're talking about. Um, so it's at Mary's Attic. It is tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Saturday night for those listening, we're gonna post this episode like pretty much as soon as we finish up, so that we actually can Thank get you. some, you know, some recognition. Some traction. Some yeah. Traction. So yeah. it's um. If you want to be VIP and actually have a seat on the stage along with some other perks, um, it's 50 bucks and it starts at six for you. So you can like mingle with all of the performers Oh, cool! and have like an, oh, we also have a silent auction with a few awesome prizes. Um, so you can have like extra time with the silent auction and there's a, a, a VIP raffle specifically for VIPs. Um, so you have an hour to do that, and then general admission is at seven, and that's twenty five, um, and then the show starts at seven thirty. Cool. I am gonna say, and this is, this is has to be like an honor system for people. If that is too much money for you, you cannot afford that. You're like, ha. We we um, really want to provide spaces for people that don't have money also so we have a invited pay what you can dress rehearsal at four today tomorrow tomorrow okay yeah Yeah. so it's gonna be really rough because it'll be a dress rehearsal right but people can come and pay what they can and um we we 
still are we really want to be accessible for people that can't afford things so yeah I think that that's hugely important and I I also think that I I appreciate what you said about the um how you realize that it's a high ticket price which is why it's a fundraiser and I think that a lot of companies in Chicago are kind of losing sight of the fact that are, are starting to alienate a core audience with prohibitively high ticket prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, that's not even to mention, like, you know, the upper echelon of Chicago theater, like the Goodman and you know, stuff like that, because they're always going to charge high yeah. ticket prices. But I mean, smaller grassroots companies. And so I think that it's, I think that it's fantastic that y'all are being conscience, conscious of what people can actually afford for a night out and making it worth their while if there is a higher ticket price. Yeah. Yeah, the the $50 price we've we've only had that price one other time for our gala and um I, we just noticed that the people that can afford those tickets and want to be treated like VIPs um like $50 is nothing for them. Right. Um and and then I take a picture with my cat right now. Of course. I'm sorry to interrupt what you're saying. Yes. Me, and then there's like a middle ground where some people are like $50 or $25 is is standard. Yeah, of course, $25. And mm-hmm. then there are some people that like $25 is really expensive. Even for me, I don't pay $25 going to a show. Yeah. Gift. Yeah. I raised my hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we also run a company, so we have an easier time, like, getting comps, which is really great. But we also have to see other people's shows to know what's going on in our industry. So it's, Absolutely. We're, we're working when we go to shows. It's a really, yeah, difficult balance in, in some ways, because you do want to see a lot of things. And especially if you're going to see friends work or people that you want to support in that way, it's like, I want to support you, so help me figure out industry ticks, things like that, just because it's, it is that balance of, I don't want to take money away from you by going to see a thing for free, um, but but I need to do it affordably, yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. and get paid pennies, and we will potentially hire you for something, (laughs) maybe, that's not a good thing to put out there, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the more, like, the more work I see from someone, and um, the more I probably have a chance of hiring them. I just, FYI, like, I, I know not everyone is like this when hiring, but, like, as a producer, for me, I think it's really important that the people I work with are, like, prevalent or at least try to be on social media because I need my the artists that I work with to promote just as much as I promote. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not on Facebook for socialize. I mean, I like socializing, but, like... I'm I'm on Facebook so that people know what I'm doing and that they come to stuff and yeah I don't know yeah. if I'd be on Facebook if I didn't run a company who knows yeah you might have to call me if you want to be friends <laughs> that's the thing too is like it's hard to get off if you don't want to be on Facebook it's hard to get off Facebook like it's really difficult to delete your account and like there was actually there's a lot of um, issues in the trans community with it isn't there because like it's really hard to change your name. It, uh, well, it goes for a lot of, I, I'm in a foot of a lot of communities that that affects. So anyone who that affects so that you could be a trans person and changing your name, you could be, um, a performer that really only wants to be known socially, like by your Mm -hmm. name, whether that's in drag, burlesque, things like that, 
those are all communities that are connected by that same issue mm-hmm. of or or if you need it for like protection like yeah I want to be social on here but if people find me by this name that I don't go by anymore that's a problem for me so mm-hmm. I think people have come up with those concerns and I think that policy is a little bit looser than it used to be so mm. so I think there are ways people are finding to get the names that are their names right. that they go by um, to be to be fixed but it's not perfect and it's not it hasn't yeah. changed for everyone so it's a it's a whole weird thing about Facebook naming absolutely and it's something that's I think an interesting and important thing to kind of like keep an eye on and I, I am glad because I do remember it being worse than it was and I do remember the hearing that there's still problems but I also think it's great that there's progress happening you know yeah it's um right well right when Facebook first started you could have any name at all that you wanted so right. that that can be confusing in some ways right if someone like friends you and it's not really a name that they go by socially it's just something on there their profile I remember that being a big thing or like people would change their names and I'm like wait I don't like know who this is dollar sign cats forever right yeah, yeah something right. like that not not like an official name of theirs right. or something but yeah there's this artist that um I've seen a lot of her her work Olivia Olivia Lily and um she encourages her actors to really get into their characters and sometimes even like make profiles for their characters and talk as their characters which is I think really fun and Facebook allows it yeah (laughs) I think something like that is great we had we had her on to talk about Dorian Gray awesome and she's was awesome yeah well I think that ties in really well to something we were talking about which is that I love that y'all are getting it that, that are doing it both ways and that you're doing the if you are going to do a fundraiser, right, you're also looking to be like, well, let's also find a way to be accessible. And then it kind of really ties into the entire conversation we've been having from the start about like this, the idea of going live and the idea of, of allowing content to be free online. And I think the thing that, um, the only thing I've been thinking about now is, um, you know, I, I, I guess I'm starting to wonder for the people that are paying, um, do, is, do you think they're, they're... I'd imagine they want to see the art grow, right? Or do you think that there's a an, an ill will at all there? Or? That's a good point that I was just going to comment on. Yeah. Yeah, I think what we bake into it, too, is a development process. Is right. that these four plays, three of the four plays, were initiated as part of our 24-hour festivals. Um, and two of those took place in Mary's Attic previously, one was at Timberlane's Bowling Alley. That's the one I wrote, so I know a lot about that one. Um, but for us, it, it was part of how do we develop new work by writers, people that we want to work with kind of continuously, or that we like the work that was developed there and want to see progress. Um, and then one other, the, the fourth play that wasn't part of a 24-hour, but fit into our theme of being a bar show, was part of that. So it is, they are things that are works in progress in that sense but they're very polished and finished specifically for this event so Mm -hmm. they are I would say they're four short plays that are in the final stage of what they are but they're also things like the play I'm writing is also going to keep developing as a fuller like a full-length play Mm -hmm. which I don't know how long that is yet but 
I know that it is something that has gone through a lot of different iterations and is now pretty concretely that portion of it at least stands on its own as a one act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to work with writers because Kev's a writer and our literary manager. And it's interesting because the four pieces, um, two of them have came from the two that came from the 24 hour fest that were developed more um, were writers from our company and um, they've expanded them and made them and we've had we have like slightly different casts too so it's not like you're seeing the same show that you came to see at the 24 hour fest it's a different cast and it's more and the show's more developed and had wasn't done in 24 hours um because they've been in rehearsals for a few weeks and then one of the shows from the 24 hour fest i don't think he touched it really i don't think he did many changes what what happened at the 24 hour fest he really liked and he kept it um but we have a whole new cast and we have a new director so i'm really excited to see how different it's going to be because casting i mean i feel like casting is like half of the job like you got to get the right people um and not to say that the first cast wasn't great they were great um, but but I'm, I'm excited to see like this new form of it and the director had some other ideas that were very different than what the original director had so I, I really like that and then the fourth play um, um, the one you directed which I'm directing yeah I I turned to Kevin um, a few weeks before I left and I was like Kevin I really want to direct this show but I'm going to be out of town for three weeks like can I do it and Kev's like yeah, you should do it. If you want to do it, do it. And I was like, okay. So I put together two rehearsals right before I left, and we blocked that shit in, like, what was it? Four, three, three and a half hours or something. We blocked the whole show. It was 17 pages. And then the next day we... I, I, and I didn't realize, but I'm, like, a really physical director. I have, I'm having them do a lot of phys- physical things, um, thank goodness I cast a, a dancer in, because <laughs> she's like jumping on the guy and the, on the bar and go on the floor and going all kinds of crazy places. Um, it gets it gets really wild. Yeah, I was there for at least one of the rehearsals. Days of rehearsals. Yeah, that was great. So we had two rehearsals before I left, and then we we're gonna have a pickup rehearsal tonight. Um, and then I had them like run lines when I was out of town. But that was a really quick rehearsal. But um, these artists are awesome professionals, and they're not getting paid other than from food and alcohol. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't really want to overwork them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I figure, like, get off book. You're professional. I blocked it. Like, if something isn't working, then we'll adjust it and then right. perform the next day. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, what drew y'all to the, um, the bar theme? We, well, because of the because of what we've had developed before, I mean, pretty much, we've been talking about. So we've been we've done the twenty four hour fest thing. Do you have you experienced a twenty four hour fest? I did a twenty four hour um, uh, music festival where okay. uh, you the performers and the composers met up. The composers drew three names out of a hat. That was their ensemble. They had twelve hours to write a piece. We had 12 hour, hours to learn it, and then we performed it. Yeah. So it's similar to theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we've been doing the 24-hour fest thing for a while, and it's been really awesome and um, exciting. But we felt like 
we needed to have a new play festival that was in the middle of doing a full production and doing a 24-hour fest. So we've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, and I yeah, think for probably almost a year, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. And we just, I think we just laid out all of the 24-hour fests that we had done and said, okay, what are like what are the ones that we really liked and want to continue mm-hmm. to develop and also have similar themes. Um, and and the bar thing just came up. Right, because yeah. even, even the one that I wrote, which was for us in a bowling alley, it took place at a bar table in the bowling alley. So yeah. it fit. It could happen in any bar. Um, so it is, it is a thing of what do you take from the previous work that you've done and expand it to be able to fit into this whole... I don't know, this little microcosm of the universe of plays that are all in this one weird Mary's Attic bar. Yeah. My favorite thing about about this kind of thing is seeing how the audience reacts and um, seeing how they how they move in the space. Because we have um, like wranglers kind of that encourage the audience to come here, um, get into this space so you can see better. Because um, the audience is really in control of their own viewing because the show travels. Um, and I'm the type of audience member that's just like, get me in the front. I'm going to sit right in the, in the front row so I can see everything. But then there are other people that are more timid and like more pe- and people that are VIP that want actual seat seats. So this is the first time we're actually like giving VIPs seats that are um, viewable to see all of the shows where they're sitting. Mm. Um, Mary's is just set up really nicely for that yeah yeah and all the shows are really physical like you said your pieces Mm -hmm. had a lot more physicality added to it um rebecca and robbie has a fight scene has a fight scene it's very it's very fight choreographed so that was a really important thing uh and then chakra preemie my piece has a lot of movement of within the space there's movement from the table to a bathroom area and back. So there's a lot of orientation of the audience, which I think is really exciting too, especially when we do site-specific work, is how do you reorient uh, outside of that proscenium seating? Like, if we're going to take things off the stage, we should also reorient... Realize the space. Right, mm-hmm. reorient how the audience approaches even being an audience member. Yeah. I, I remember from the kid thing that um, there was a lot of action that was in people's faces and that that was very important to the action because it was this whole thing of uncomfortability and feeling like you were intruding on something um and i'm wondering if there's going to be any element of that in any of these plays or if it's just a purely physical and like kind of like you know theater in the round type not theater in the round but um Mm -hmm just like all over the place type experience or if there is that same level of um uncomfortability that you're going for um well it's so each play has a portion of the space so it's not like one play is going to be all over the space gotcha um and i don't think we're trying to make audiences uncomfortable but i think that we're definitely saying like hey you're a fly on the wall and you're in it Cool. And like win it because you're in it to win it. 
Yeah, I think it depends on the piece too, right? So, so in some ways, the audience is part of the scene. Like, if it's, for example, I'll say, I'll go back to Shotgun Premium and how we set it up is that there there are parts that break the fourth wall, and there also it takes place at at a date at a bar. So you would expect other people to be around. So I think there's some awareness of like the audience can play the role of the other patrons of that bar yeah for yeah totally because the show that i'm directing um there's a character that kind of like talks under her breath a lot and in the way that the play was written it was written to be um uh, like 10 a.m at a bar with basically no one but because there's going to be an art an audience there i was like you know don't pretend like there's no one like whisper to an audience member let's say that say the line directly to an audience member don't pretend like they're not there because um there is a fourth wall because the audience the audience isn't being asked questions and made to answer them but um there isn't a fourth wall because the, like the lights will bleed into the audience and you'll see audiences reactions um and Part of I think an awesome part of the show is seeing other people's audience reactions and how and and um, that, that's exciting. Mm. I I just find people watching fascinating. Yeah, so. like the like the kiss cam at the stadium games. Or yeah, the, you know what I'm talking about. That yeah. makes sure. me uncomfortable. <laughs> a, little bit. a little too. Yeah, because they always assume that it's someone that yeah. I'm always afraid that like if I were to go to a a game with like my brother. That they would be like kiss cam, like <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but I I think it's funny when they do the kiss cam and like someone's on their phone or something, mm-hmm. and then the other person just like kisses the person beside them that they don't even know instead. That's that's funny to me. I I have a weird sense of humor, I guess. <laughs> yes. When did they start? When did yes. they start doing that? Probably like the eighties or. When they had cameras. Because that's such a, like, a, I feel like I've seen now, like, scripted tropes of that, you know? Like, it's such a... Oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. some of it is is pre-figured out. Right. Yeah, like, the ones where she, like, leaves the boyfriend and, like, you know, goes and meets someone else and, yeah. And they, like, follow her. Like, it's like you couldn't have planned that camera angle. Like, I mean, I mean yeah. you, you couldn't have... You know what I mean. Like, you couldn't have organically made that happen. Yeah. You um, had to have planned. Right, that. that's exactly what I mean, yeah. Um, I've got a question about the kind of structure of Nothing Without a Company. Uh, so I was looking through the cast list, and some of it was, you know, directed by a company ensemble member this, um, the ac- and then the actors were not company ensemble members. And I'm wondering what the... Um, kind of what an artist gets out of being a nothing without a company ensemble member mm-hmm. um we've gone through a lot of transitions and actually company ensemble member is a new term we we the last two years had artistic associates and company members and the company members we had monthly meetings to discuss um just like internal things and and uh, taking in new plays and and deciding what the next season is going to be um and then the artistic associates are basic were basically like 
we're artists that really like working with you and understand what you do and want to continue to work with you but are too busy to like commit to monthly meetings um we found that almost every artist that we work with also works with many many other companies and which is we encourage because as an artist um you always have to be developing and yeah. I think when you work with other companies and, and do other kinds of art like Rose Freeman who's a company ensemble member she also does opera the opera thing and Kev does the the burlesque thing um, so um, I, yeah I, I've encouraged that for many many years and so recently we've just we've just seen the monthly meetings um, after we hired staff which is a new thing we really didn't need company meetings monthly with with artistic um artists they um they were we were doing a lot of administration work in those monthly meetings that we didn't no longer needed from them because we had staff mm -hmm. um so we decided to come to ask all of the artistic associates and company members if they'd still like to stay on with us and just clump them all together into company ensemble members. And um, so what that means is we ask all of them first um, whatever we're working on, if they want to work on it, um, or if they would like to help develop a show, um, or uh, if they have a show that they want to do in the next season. Um, and we consider them first before we look for outside artists um, because we have a whole bunch of company ensemble right. members but because they're all working so much um, we have to also look outside of the company and um, a lot of the people that are working on the new play festival coming up tomorrow are people that after this performance will qualify to be company ensemble members because you have to have worked with us on at least three shows mm -hmm. to, cool. to be eligible um so yeah so there's a lot of people who have worked with us and nothing without a company before um and a few who haven't but yeah it's gonna be really good i like having that blend of like there's people who have a really good handle on the kind of work that we do there's people who have worked with us before and are excited by that type of process and then people who are newer to it um and I think that's always a good thing to to encourage and incorporate different people with different ways of coming into this type of theater making. Yeah, I also like working with new people on one day shows because I like to see if I want to work with them again, mm. <laughs> rather than hiring them for like a six week thing and then not really. I'm I'm finding that work that finding the people that you work really well with is really important and there's no point in working with people that you don't work well with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even if you're friends with them yeah. or even if you like what they're doing if it th sometimes just vibes don't work or like communication doesn't work yeah and for whatever reason and and I just, I'm, I'm the type of person that I want to get along with everyone, um, but I'm 33 now, so I'm starting to realize you can't. I can't. Yeah, no, I think that's super interesting because it makes me think that it makes me realize I've realized more and more that like social compatibility and productivity compatibility are completely different. Oh yeah. 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 
Yeah, I recently had to tell a really good friend that I, I just can't work with her anymore. I, if I, we're going to stay friends, which I still want to be friends with her really badly, I we just, we're not going to work together. Yeah. And and that actually lit a fire, and she started doing her own thing, and it's like, she's kicking ass. Yeah. I think that um, it's like the best thing for a relationship. Yeah, sometimes you just got to realize, it, I, I this happened to me... I've, I've never had to, like, professionally break up with a friend, but I have had to, like, mid-lease of living with a really good friend be like, we're terrible roommates. <laughs> I love you so much. We cannot live together. I will kill you. Yes. <laughs> and, like, um, it's always such a weird thing of, like, being so close with somebody on a friendship level and being able to, like, share innermost thoughts, but just... Sometimes it just doesn't mesh in any in any other capacity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a hard time because we have these this new staff now, and I have a hard time like not being friends with people. But sometimes, but I'm noticing that like maybe that's uh, maybe that's like a good thing to like on, only be staff or work working relationship versus because when I have a working relationship with someone I I think like oh I want to be friends with you too let's hang out outside of work and it's like why I don't need to do that I just can't we can just work together mm. um I don't we're very similar because I'm like I want to I want to be friends with everyone yeah. it's yeah but to each their own yeah. in your life it's fine yeah. but yeah I think for me it is it is a hard thing of like I'm always happy to be social and want to like well, be around certain yeah. yeah and as as companies too like um I, it i i feel really reluctant to say like the word family now because um i know like profiles use that with the scandal oh, and, yeah. and so because they they like use that as a way of like drawing people in I don't like saying that but it is kind of like when you when you have a company like you are family we actually talked about this with Olivia Lilly um, mm-hmm. she was saying that it, we, we had a, a similar conversation where we we landed on like you can have a family it doesn't necessarily have to be your artistic team where your artistic team is more like a tribe, hmm. where mm-hmm. you're there, you're there to be productive, you're there to be, to to do the thing, and it, it's not necessarily your family, but it's your group, it's mm-hmm. your people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I I liked I liked how we landed on that because family can be such like an insipid like yeah, kind of a little too personal yeah mm-hmm. and then like extra emotions get involved right. yeah they're not needed right or if it's being used in a coercive or manipulative way yes. that, then it's not it's not great mm-hmm. um so i think that i think that there just needs to be a warmth to that kind of thing i don't think you can get anything done meaningfully without there being something there like with arts work and specifically with performance, I think it is really hard to have a totally like 
professional in yeah. the sense of that we like look, looking at a corporate type of professionalism. Right. There needs to be some level of affection for the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. Yeah, and we're all trying to be vulner- as vulnerable as we can with whatever we're working on because that's what good art has. Um, uh, but it's it's hard to be vulnerable for sure. Absolutely. You can you can like verbally be vulnerable and then not actually internally be there. Um, I found that I I I keep force I keep trying to get myself to to actually write because I used to do like I used to write slam sometimes um, not perform it just like write flow just like get my emotions out and I have dyslexia so I have like a um, I have like a weird thing around writing and, and a lot of my closer friends are writers too so I'm like oh I'll let them do that thing but but I've noticed that like I've been having a hard time getting vulnerable so I need to start doing that again so remind me if you see me mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like hey Anna Go write something. Go <laughs> write something. <laughs> and I think the pieces that we're doing have different levels of vulnerability. Going back to four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of, like, what it means to be vulnerable as a writer and what you're putting out there. I mean, I think, for me, there's different things happening there. So I don't even know about that. But I feel like the piece you're doing has a lot of really vulnerable moments and and it's a b- pretty broad comedy, but I think the what the writer's doing in that and what the actors are asked to do yeah. within that script has a lot of a lot of places that you have to put yourself into those like very emotionally yeah available place. I really like the script is very um, like it could po- potentially be offensive done in the wrong way, um, and like um, I, I like things that kind of fall on the edge that are because how are we gonna have the conversations about it if we don't mm. if we try to avoid those things right yeah i'm excited okay oh, my my show is closing the the four plays uh, so four plays the original in the original thought on that was four play yes yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, <laughs> i'm trying to get the double on for play Okay. All right. Well, like, do a do a love symbol or something if you get it. So yeah. I know. I think, yeah. I think people get it. Okay, good. I yeah. think we almost didn't name it that because we felt it was too obvious, and then we're like, no, nah, it's fine. Yeah. I didn't get it until just now, but okay, I did oh, get okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you'll get, give me get, a heart later. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think also. You know what? You'll get two. Yay. <laughs> but I, I did Facebook end up. Facebook only lets you do it once. Ooh. All right. But, but with both of you, it'll be two. We have yeah, yeah, no, I was kidding. I no, was doesn't kidding. it let you keep doing hearts on the live video? Oh, okay. While you're watching yeah. the video, oh. you can yeah. put as many hearts out as you want. Wow. I think the cat's going to get a lot of hearts. It's a good cat. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. She's good. She's passed she sat out. on her lap for a while. Now she's over it. Is she in she the She sleeps a lot. Uh, I'm sure. I don't know. But, oh, four plays. Yeah. But I think it also works in a sense of, like, yeah, double entendre. But also that it is about the development piece, so like, it is about the f- the foreplay to the full production. Cool. Oh, we're oh. looking at pictures. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is like not good cat, for a podcast. Um, <laughs> Photo of me and the kitty. Uh, well, we have a couple minutes left, and as I'm sure you all remember, uh, one of the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one minute plug for anything they have upcoming. 
um, for both of you. So uh, if you want to go ahead and do that, that's awesome with us. Hey, I'm doing this thing called Four Plays New Play Festival at Mary's Attic tomorrow night. You don't uh, say. Which you'll know about, because we've already talked about it. Yeah. Um, we're also doing on September 2nd at Burger Park, which is our, our home, um, our next 24-hour fest. Nice. So, yeah, and I still don't have everyone put together for, for that, so if you're interested, um, let me know. I do have a list of, of potentials. But um, I always love to hear from people if they want to work with us, if they're interested in immersive site-specific theater. We also have a um, class that uh, my co-artistic director and partner, Hannah E.E. Epstein, is is teaching. Um, She's currently getting her master's at Northwestern, so um, she's doing an internship where she teaches um, a a 10-minute new play festival class so within six classes you'll um learn how to write specific playwriting yes it's like the official title yes yeah site-specific playwriting um but in the style of the 10 minute new works yes cool yeah so within six classes you'll know how to write a 10 minute play that is specifically for um site-specific theater and she's a really good teacher she's like in her blood her mom's a teacher too and she's um she gives really good notes so if you're a, a writer or emerging writer or, uh, have thought about wanting to be a writer it's for all um types of people but it's limited space so um uh, sign up soon it starts on monday and it's for the next two weeks cool. monday wednesday friday from like six to eight eight or seven nine or something like that um and then we also are doing free yoga on saturday i was just gonna ask about that because i've been seeing posts about that so go do the free yoga it's saturday mornings yeah saturday 10 at 10 30 at burger at burger yeah and it's outside, outside. if it's nice cool um yeah i did it the last two weeks it's been really refreshing because i haven't done do you, yoga in do a while you, do you teach it i don't teach it i have um specific yoga teachers on rotation cool yeah um i'm definitely i love yoga i could probably teach the class if like the if i didn't have a teacher that couldn't teach it but i want to i want like actual teachers license professionals (laughs) um yeah i just uh burger park was looking for more like physical classes and i wanted to help provide something through our company and i think that yoga is really good to help artists like center themselves right yeah sometimes as artists we don't take care of ourselves mm-hmm. um, you don't say yeah. i've got so the breathing weird. exercises with me i can share them with you nice. do you have to bring your own mat nope really we've yeah. got mats for you that Are you so, i you might come yeah, yeah i like i'm really bad at getting up in the morning but me too 10 30 is a good time yeah yeah tomorrow the class the teacher is um she does a chair class I actually wasn't there yeah How was it it was great it's it was a lot of focus on chair breathing class. what yeah. are you doing did our chair <laughs> yeah you we've done a chair sit. class remember we did that one time it was really good we did a chair class yeah with um the so uh Chi-Town Shakti oh. West on Devon has pay what you can sometimes where you can pay like five dollars and you can go to yoga and I got into it for like a couple weeks and I met this yoga instructor there who was fantastic but then she moved to Colorado uh, and so her last one we went to like her last yoga class ever from after teaching that was a chair class wasn't it yeah 
she she'd been teaching at this place. She owned it and taught there for like a decade. And we just happened to be the, the it was the most like packed yoga class I've ever been. It was like thirty or forty people all there to just like I, be there for her last. I class. hope I hope we can get to that amount of people right now. It's like a five five or six people, yeah. um, which is also nice. Just oh, be, especially when we're outside. Yeah, no, you want that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we, I, I mean, it's a free class, but you can donate, and right. um, the donations go half to the instructor and half to the company, to, yeah. you know, cool. raising money and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Yeah, no, but that's a smart idea, though. That's a very, I like when, sorry, so when arts companies do something that isn't traditionally, like, part of their art, but is also related and is also, like, a community building. Mm-hmm. tool kind of thing right. and that's really cool yeah yeah and i um i i just it, we can have a whole podcast on how artists can take care of themselves better mm-hmm. and how and why it's important um yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast absolutely <laughs> um cool well thank you all so much for listening i've been daniel johansson i continue to be maureen smith if you want to keep up with us you okay um, if, yeah. <laughs> if you want to keep it with us, Thinking there's a lot of ways you can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maureen Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you can head over to our website, that's scopymag.com. We post all of our most recent episodes there. You can also uh, see our articles there as well. Um, you can also find us on social media under uh, Facebook or under Scopy Magazine. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at Scopy Mag. If you head over to our Instagram, I just posted a picture with our cat and Anna Yay. from this episode. So check that out. Uh, worth it. Oh, one, one more thing. Good. Check out Glitter Money. They're a, oh, a, yeah, a I've seen them. improv female based band. One of our uh, company artistic associate or company ensemble members is in it and they just put out a video that cool. is Bala. And yes. I did a show with them in my burlesque persona recently. Cool. So it's great. Yeah. Glitter, Glitter money, money, why, 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 right? Yeah, it's cool. three whys cool. at the end. Um, cool. The other thing that we have coming up is we're still in the middle of, our, middle of our performance series, so that is two nights a week. We are in different spots. Uh, one on Tuesdays is uh, Nightcap Coffee Bar in Pilsen, and then on Thursdays, we're over in Rogers Park at the Red Line Tap. Um, we just did our 4th of July concert and our D&D Live event, so those uh, recordings are up on the podcast. You've been listening to them and probably been confused as to, I thought this was an interview show. We've been confused, too. We'll, figure, <laughs> we'll get back to regular programming one day, mm-hmm. um, but in the meantime... Soon. We have we have some interviews lined up. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, if you wanted to come out to one of our live shows, that would be awesome. We're just generally trying to build up our Chicago recognition and brand recognition and things like that. So um, On Tuesday at Nightcap Coffee Bar, um, our next show is the first concert of our representation mm-hmm. series, which is our Latinx concert. It is an exploration of how companies can do representation right. Yes. And how um, it's basically an exercise in handing over the keys to communities that are perfectly who are are like more than able that to program their own shit you know and so you know we provide the infrastructure and we back off yeah and i'm really excited for tuesday me too so at seven o'clock we'll have the concert and then after the concert we'll take like a 10 minute intermission and then with the singers 
we're going to have an open table discussion about um, Hetty Weiss and racism in, in theater critique and racism in, in performance dun, dun, critique, dun. which we're really excited oh. about because um, <laughs> we're really interested in having the conversation. We're hoping to get Pilsen Alliance to come out, which is like uh, literally next door to yeah, Nightcap. And, yeah, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, but, you know, because we want to obviously like the conversations that are being had about um, racism in, in the arts in general are very important. But I also we're also trying really hard to um, vault and kind of spotlight voices of color because that's the voices that are affected by it. So mm-hmm. that's super it's been a super interesting. Um, we've talked about it a little bit and we've had people to reach out to us because we the few people that we know that are of color are very like interested and have a lot of thoughts on um, how they're being represented. So that's been super interesting. Um, and then on Thursday, um, the 13th, we're going to be hosting um, country bluegrass duo Riley Hill yeah. um, out of Nashville at Redline Tap. They're incredible. Um, they both have a musical theater background. They're... My mom is wishing she'd be in town. <laughs> <laughs> they're... And they're absolutely amazing. Um, one of them is based in one. Megan of Riley Hill is based in, um, is based in Nashville. No, Megan's in Chicago. Kaylee is in Nashville. Cool. Um, and they, yeah, they're both musical theater singers, but they like, th- like one of their descriptors is like transcendent harmonies and yeah. stuff like that. And like we've been watching their videos and have just been blown away. So it's free. It's going to be really cool. We're going to chat with them afterward. Um, yeah, so come on out. Cool. And um, I'm going to steal Maureen's thunder to quickly uh, talk about the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything we've been able to do so far is because of the help of our donors. Um, we run, well, how we do that is you can donate monthly uh, for $5 a month, for as little as $5 a month. Uh, through PayPal, you can support the show, you can support our live shows, you can support us, um, and you can also do a, a one-time donation, uh, and if you consent to us having your address for that, we'll send you a handwritten thank you letter. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now is um, our friend Ross Crean, uh, his new opera, The Great God Pan, was just released. Um, the recording of it was. So he actually donated I love Ross. Us. Do you know Ross? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He donated a recording to the show. Awesome. Um, and we're doing a giveaway. So anyone that becomes a donor before August 1st um, will be entered into some kind of picking from a hat situation to win a free recording of The Great God Pan. And also to have lunch with Ross. Uh, yeah, dinner, yeah, yeah. And also a dinner Ross. with Ross. I have had at least lunch with Ross, and it was really fun. Yeah, he's a good So. <laughs> Become a, literally for five dollars a month. You'll it'll be so worth it. So worth it to us, and you'll get something in return. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so again so much for listening. Like heart emojis. Yes. Yeah. Everyone will get heart emojis. Yeah. <laughs> Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>